Good morning, good morning, and welcome to another TRC broadcast. I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and we are so delighted that you are here with us. Thank you for joining again this morning. Um, you know, God has a word for you today. It's not coincidence that you're here. You are here by divine appointment. So, again, sit back, relax, make sure you have your whatever you take notes with because it's easy to go back and to see this and to hear it and retain it. And many times if you just hear it and you, uh, the enemy will steal it. And the Bible talks about that in the various um, renditions. Uh, I think it's Mark 4, uh, Matthew 13, and, and Luke 8. It talks about the sower sowing the word and it talks about how the word falls on your heart falls on the ground and when the word falls above ground which is talking about not in your heart but in your head it says that the enemy comes and he steals the word that was sown so you won't believe so I'm telling you always approach it with a freshness approach it as though I've never heard this before and allow God to give you new developing parts of truth Amen. So, without any further ado, let's get ready to get into the Word, because I am pumped about being in the house of God. With all that's going on around us, I am pumped about being the house of God. So, let us bow our heads, let's pray, let's get right on into this Word. Father, we honor your Word this morning. We honor your presence this morning. We know that, Father, without you, you said, we can do nothing. So therefore, we yield ourselves under your spirit, soul, and body. We know that, Lord, that you are here this morning to reveal truths to us, to challenge our thinking, to, to, to educate us spiritually, and to grow us up that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus. So as the word goes forward, we will yield. We will not wrestle and fight against the word. And Lord, we thank you. For what you're going to do, what you already uh, have have preordained, predestined for this day. So we give you praise that the enemy is bound. He has no success in our lives, no success in this service. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about something that I think is, uh, is very intriguing uh, and uh it's, it's, it's really something that I, I don't think we give enough attention to. However, this morning we're going to park right there. We're going to let the Word of God, we're going to let it make it do what it do. Amen. And we are going to receive the engrafted Word with meekness, which is able to save our, our emotions, our mind, able to save our soul. Amen. Will, mind, and emotions. So, uh, I want to start by saying that as we live this life, this life of faith that God has uh, ordained for us, he said the just shall live by faith. We know the scriptures, Habakkuk 2 and 4, Galatians 3 and 10, Hebrews 10, 38. The just shall live by faith. We are the just. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. So, he said we should live by faith. But, there are many challenges, many trials, many tests. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulations. 
as they come and as they confront us on a daily basis, you know, we, we, we question what's real. We question what's not real. We question the Word of God. We question God. <laughs> we question our faith. But I'm here to talk to you this morning about something. I'm going to go to a story that you have read many times, and we're going to dissect it. I like, as a teacher, I like to break it down. I don't like to read over it like a newspaper. There is always something in there to be had. Now, and so as we question these things, doubt, slowly but surely, creeps in our lives. And we find that the Word of God is our only safe place. Psalm 91 said that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is our safe place, the Word of God. So, let's go to uh, Mark, the ninth chapter, and let's read a little bit of this story, and then let's just kind of go in it, let's break it down, and let's see what God has to say this morning. So, Ninth chapter of Mark, if you will, and I will begin reading at verse 20. The Bible says, and, and this is a scenario where Jesus was coming down the mountain, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. And as he was descending down the mountain, he saw a lot of hoopla going on. He saw an, uh, uh, a crowd around his disciples and they were questioning his disciples. There was controversy. There was contra uh, uh, confrontation. And Jesus was acknowledging this as he descended. And he came upon this mob, upon this crowd, if you will. And he wanted to see exactly what was going on here. So the Bible says in verse 20, And they brought unto him, uh, and when they saw him straightway, the spirit Tear him. Now, this is about this man had brought his son to the disciples. And he was basically like, look, if you can, I want you to heal my son. And uh, if I go back, let me let me just just for just for teaching purposes. Um, listen at verse uh, 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes questioning them. And the Bible says that straightway or immediately all the people, when they beheld him or saw him, they were amazed and running to him, they saluted him. And he asked the scribes, you got a problem with my boys. Why are you questioning me? What's going on with this? And the Bible says, and one of the multitude answered and said, I have brought thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And it, he, he talks about what the spirit was doing to his son, and it was and it was tearing him and, and foaming. And he was sound like he was happy having some type of uh, epileptic fit or, 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 or whatever, a seizure or something of that nature based off of the symptoms. Now, and then the Bible says, and, and I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. So... Let's, let's bring it in context. This man knew he was having an issue with his son, but he went to the disciples. Obviously, there was some type of a reputation uh, about the disciples and how they cast out devils because they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, we are excited that even the devils are subject to us through your name. So the word got around. He said, so this man brought his son to the disciples. Now, 
Let's go back and let's take it back up. The Bible says uh, in verse 20, And they brought unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tearing him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Many times when you come into the presence of the anointing, that devil will act up. He will act up. He will try you to see if you believe what you say you believe. So soon as he saw Jesus, he called himself, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do Jesus like I did the disciples. The disciples are sitting here now, and they lost some street cred. You understand what I'm saying? He says, so now I'm going to do Jesus. Wrong move. So he brought him in, and Jesus, Jesus answered and, 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 and said unto them, how long have he been suffering? What Jesus was doing was trying to identify a stronghold. Something's been in your life all your life. That's a stronghold. It's not just an attack. This is what you need to know. So when you are dealing with a stronghold, then you need to approach it by fasting and prayer. You need to turn up the power level. So if you've been dealing with poverty all your life, if you've been dealing with a mindset all your life, uh, if you've been dealing with things that make it seem like you need medicine, and you know whatever your situation is, you got to turn up the power. You're listening and not just approach it casually. And the Bible says that uh, Jesus identified that. He said, oftentimes it cast him, verse 22, into the fire and, and, and into the waters uh, to destroy him. And if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, these are two extremes. He cast him into the fire, try to burn him up, cast him in the water, try to drown him. Sometimes you are dealing with things and it seems like they are total opposite extremes you understand what i'm saying total extremes and then somewhere in between the middle the devil will continue to bring these things to you and there's a great wide variance of how he brings them but then he said to jesus if you can do anything now watch what jesus said uh, to him and jesus said unto him if thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Don't, don't say if I can do anything. He said, because it's not on me. How many times did Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you? Many times we bring our problems to someone and we feel as though that they are responsible. And if it doesn't happen, it's because they were not anointed. But Jesus said, no, don't put that on me. He said, you have to believe. If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believe it. Now listen to this. This is very, very important. And straightway or immediately the father cried out and said with tears. He was at extreme pressure at this time. Right now he's crying with tears. Before he challenged Jesus, but now when Jesus put it back on him, he had to come clean. And he said that he cried. And, 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 and he said to him, he said, Lord, I believe, but help it thou my unbelief. Now, how many times have you read that? It sounds somewhat of an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, first, I, I believe, but help it thou my unbelief. Now, we're going to talk about this because some of you right now, you need to know that there is a great difference between doubt and unbelief. And some of you think you got doubt when you only have unbelief. 
Are you listening? Some of you think you're in unbelief when you're just dealing with doubt. We're going to break it down this morning. We're going to talk about it. We're going to open it up scripturally, biblically, realistically, so you can understand exactly what you're dealing with. Because if you don't identify, you could go on and on and on and on dealing with the same thing and never know how to approach it. Now, he said, I believe, help it thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, enter into him no more. Now, let me just say this before I switch over and we get to uh, uh, diagnosing this and analyzing it. Some things you're dealing with is of a spiritual root. Many people are trying to handle things in the natural without dealing with the source. Jesus deals with the root. If you try to deal with the symptoms, you will always have. You know, my wife have this plant, and I think it's a fern. Some of you might know about all of this. Every year she cut it up, and it comes back greater than next year. Why? Because she never pulled it up. Some of you are cutting up your situation, but you never pulled it up. And that's why it keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. When Jesus dealt with the fig tree, the Bible says he cursed the root. If you don't deal with the root, <clears throat> you will continue to have the product. Are you listening? Now, we could preach all day on that, but we're not. Jesus dealt with the spirit. Now, I want you to look at this. Number one, the guy had faith because he came to Jesus. Now, remember, he said, I believe, help it thou my unbelief. He had faith because he came to Jesus to solve his problem. His unbelief was established by the disciples' inability to heal. Now, we got two different things that we're dealing with here. First of all, we're dealing with faith. We're dealing with unbelief in the same scenario. Now, many of you may be dealing with faith, but there is a portion of unbelief that has to be dealt with. He said, I believe, but help it thou my unbelief. You might say his unbelief didn't need any help because it was working just fine. But let's look at this. The, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that have been revealed belong to us. Now, what you need to understand is that there are certain things that God has revealed. Certain things that you are entitled to. Now, uh, that's the things that are revealed is what makes faith possible. The things that God has kept secret is what makes faith necessary. Are you listening? Faith is possible because of the things he's revealed. Faith is necessary by the things you don't know. Are you listening? Stay with me because it'll all make sense in a little bit. Just don't get up and get a sandwich now. You might come back and tear up something. <laughs> all right, listen. Now, 
Paul said this, I think, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. He said, now we see through a glass darkly. Are you listening? He said, so I know in part. I see in part. I don't have the whole picture. So I see through a glass darkly and everything is not clear to me. You ever been like that? Where you know what you want to do, you know what you need to do, but it's not clear. What do I do from here? It's not clear. You are seeing through a glass darkly. You are seeing in part, which means that you need faith. But the part that you don't know <clears throat> could very well be the part that is presenting doubt. Now, let's continue to look on. He's, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. That is because of the part you don't know. Now, this faith lives with unanswered questions. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain that to you. Faith lives with unanswered questions. There's a lot of things you don't know, and you have to trust God regardless. He said in Proverbs, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding is the part that produces the doubt because what God has said doesn't make any sense to you. So he said, don't lean to the part that is going to produce doubt. This is where you have to trust. You have to say, God, you know more about what's going on. I have to trust you because of the unanswered questions. I can tell you right now, in every person that is listening to this, in some place in your life, you have unanswered questions. You have no choice but to either live with those unanswered questions and trust God, or lean to your own understanding and have doubt. Now, I'll show you what's detrimental about having doubt. Now, let's continue to go on here. Just as we know what God has revealed, we are not certain what he has kept secret. Even though you might not know, there are some things you won't know, and you can try as you may, but God has kept them secret until an appointed time. Are you listening? Such as what you're supposed to do in life, who are you supposed to marry, how you're supposed to go lead your career, how you're supposed to do this or that. God has kept those things secret on purpose. Are you listening? He will reveal them. The Bible says a child, as long as it says a man, as long as he is a child, he differs nothing from a slave or a servant, though he is entitled to everything, but he is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the Father, until God says, it's time for me to reveal this. It's time for me to reveal that. Because now, you have to walk in it. Why should God reveal some things when you have not done what he's already revealed? Are you listening? That's one of the part of the holdup on God explaining certain things to you and revealing them because the things he has revealed, you haven't done them. Now let's continue to move on. Now there is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Let's, let's talk about that. There is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is going to make a lot of sense to you. Doubt is not the absence of faith. 
We think that. Because I doubt I don't have faith. No, doubt is not the absence of faith. Doubt is the questioning of faith. You listen. When God is telling you certain things to do and you question it, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. What you're doing now is questioning your faith. Continue to listen. Did you know you can only doubt what you already believe? Now, I know you, that, that's going to have to settle with you. That's going to throw some people right there. You can only doubt what you already believe. It's impossible for you to doubt something that you don't already believe. You doubt what you already believe. Now, let's, let's, let's look. A Christian questions his beliefs. That's what makes him doubt. He questioned his beliefs. Now, I want you to I want you to look at this. Now, the atheist, on the other hand, he does not believe that there is a God. Are you listening? However, when certain things begin to happen, I guess by definition, a doubting atheist would be someone who questions his unbelief. Did you get that? A Christian questions what he already believes. A doubting atheist, by definition, is a person who questions their unbelief. You know, there's a lot of times, and I've seen these documentaries, and maybe you have too, and it says a person was on their deathbed, they never believed in God, and all of a sudden they went to this light, they saw this, they had this experience, and when they came out of that coma, uh, they came out of that near-death experience, they start questioning their unbeliefs. They start saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe there is a God. So it is the flip side of the same coin. When a Christian doubts what he already believes. Now, doubt and unbelief are usually different and they are usually revealed under pressure. Both doubt and unbelief. As was the case with Job and his wife. Job, in one day, Job lost his business, his wealth, his property, and every one of his seven children died in one day. If, if that ain't pressure. Under pressure, it revealed his love for God, even though he was talking out of ignorance, which was doubt. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. He didn't know who was slaying him. But he still has so much of a love for God, he was willing to trust him even in the midst of the unknown. That's where God loses a lot of people, in the unknown. But then on the flip side, the same pressures was presented to Job's wife, and it revealed her unbelief. She told Job, listen to this counsel, won't you just curse God and die? <laughs> Are you listening? Most of the time, your doubt and your unbelief are revealed under extreme pressures or under times when you have 
no answers. Some of you are there this morning. But you don't know whether you are in doubt or when you are in unbelief. And this morning, you're going to find out. You're going to learn a little bit more of how to navigate through these seasons by identifying whether you are dealing with doubt or whether you're dealing with unbelief. They are, there's a vast difference. You know, um, doubt in your head is normal to question the unknown. Doubt in your head. Doubt in your heart, it begins the process of unbelief because it changes your perspective with enough facts that you refuse to believe. Now, here's the difference between doubt and unbelief. Well, we know Mark eleven twenty three says, If you shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and you shall not doubt, you shall not doubt, you shall not doubt, you shall not doubt in your heart. But believe whatsoever things you said shall come to pass, you shall have what you say. Now, doubt in your head, you can have faith. You can still doubt in your head. When doubt gets into your heart, it will present enough, enough facts that your perspective will change and you will, begin, you will refuse to believe. Doubt in your head is ignorance because of the unknown. Doubt in your heart becomes unbelief. It becomes a willingness or an unwillingness to believe. Even though something is refused. That's why Paul said it when he... Uh, was persecuting believers. He said, I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Which means the ignorance part was, I could not understand the truth. There are people like that. They couldn't understand the truth. So therefore, it is categorized as ignorance. But then he went on to say, but he said, uh, I was deeply resistant to the truth. That's unbelief. When you are resistant to the truth. The Bible says, I think it's in St. John chapter 12 and verse 48. It says that he that re rejected the word have one that judge him. The words I speak unto you. So he said when you reject the word. Unbelief is when you reject the word. Unbelief is when you reject what you already know is true. When you reject. The truth of the word. That's unbelief. Are you listening to me? The Bible talks about um, in uh, Mark the 6th chapter. It talks about Jesus. And it says that the scribes and Pharisees and all of those that was around. The Bible says they acknowledged that Jesus. That he did great works. They acknowledged that. Uh, he did mighty works, and he possessed such great wisdom. The Bible says that they acknowledge that. But on the other hand, they refused to believe he was sent by God. They refused to believe he was God. They refused to believe his deity. Are you listening? And the Bible says they use equalizers, and they begin to say, is not his... Brothers and sisters, 
here with us. It's not just the son of Mary. See, that's what people do. When people don't want to receive the truth, they always look for something fleshly or something natural to minimize the truth. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Oh, he's good, but, you know, but did you notice that he did this the other day? Or did you notice it's always something? Oh, she can sing like a lot. But did you notice that skirt she had on? See, it's always something to point to something natural. Right, if you got wisdom, just watch people. When they talk about something, in order for them to minimize an anointing in somebody's life, they always have to bring up something natural. And so when they said with Jesus, they, they, they acknowledge all of the things they've done. Just like some of us, we know God has done great things in our lives. We know that God has saved us many times from destruction. We know that God has kept us when we could not keep ourselves. But yet, when we choose not to walk with him, we always say, well, you know the church. Anything that we can throw off following God, let's say it was the church. What does that got to do with God? Why aren't we committed to him? Say you don't like your preacher. Say you don't like the choir members. Say you don't believe in the deacons. None of them saved you. Why is it so difficult to serve God with a committed heart? Why are you out of the loop? Did God sin? Did he mess up? See, people use smoke screens in order to do what they want to do when the truth of the matter is, is they don't have that first love anymore. Point all you can to a fallible man so you can always escape an infallible God. Are you listening? To me, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't matter who mess up. Who fall through the pocket? You know what? Jesus is the only one that's going to get you in. That's when you tamper with that relationship is when there's a problem. Now, let's get back to the doubt and unbelief because I don't want you to be too far removed that you missed this valid point. So when unbelief gets, and it's, 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 unbelief is progressive, it'll start with a seed of doubt, but if it's left unchecked, it will grow, and you will build spiritual, uh, 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 circumstantial evidence to where you can stop following God. And your whole case is built on flesh evidence. Are you listening to me? And what happens is you, you leave God for excuses that has nothing to do with God. Let's continue to look at this. The Bible says that after they acknowledged that Jesus did such great things and had such great wisdom, and then they began to equalize it. The Bible says in uh, Mark 6, 6, and he marveled at their unbelief. He marveled because he said, you already acknowledged that I was, I, I was that dude. 
You already acknowledge that I open blind eyes. You already acknowledge that I raised the dead. You already acknowledge I turned water into wine. You already acknowledge you've seen the miracles. You've seen what I've done. You acknowledge that I did something for you that nobody else can do. And then you stop serving me. And it, I marvel that you were so quickly removed with the understanding that I was that dude. <laughs> Are you listening? So he marveled. That caused the Lord to marvel. At their unbelief. And then the, the further scripture says. And he went about the village teaching. Because teaching is the cure for unbelief. He had to reestablish the word of God. So it would reverse the process. See people who have. Who have gone to unbelief. Let one of your children get sick. Let something happen where you need a miracle and God comes through for you. It'll start reversing the process. Might not do it overnight, but it'll start reversing the progress process. Are you listening? Now, let's let's go on. Uh, uh man, I got to go ahead and finish this. Uh, the Bible says Let's go to Hebrews chapter chapter 3. And let me read the scripture to, to you. Hebrews chapter 3. All right. Hebrews 3. Now let's look at verse 12. Now here's, here's Paul who said... Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God. You see the design of unbelief? Unbelief causes you to depart from the living God. Analyze your situation right now. If you have departed from the living God, you have allowed unbelief to get in your life. See, doubt won't do that. Doubt will only question what you believe. Unbelief will cause you to depart from God. He said, it is an evil heart. Now, the scripture goes on to say over in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, uh, let us fear, uh, lest any of you shall fall short. Are you listening? shall fall short. It goes on to say this. It says, For unto us, I think verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, here's the difference with faith and, and doubt. You can have faith, but doubt will keep you from mixing faith with the word of God. Are you listening? Doubt. There's something God told you. Let's, t let's say your finances. Say you're going through a tough spot in your finances. We know all of the scriptures. Give and it shall be given. Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given unto you again. Good measure pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall mean given to your life. We know in 2 Corinthians around 9, and we know that the Bible says, tells us about how to be liberal in our giving. 
we know that we that the word of God is telling us there is that that scattereth abroad, yet they increase. There is that that withhold more than is due, and they tend to poverty. We know all of that. However, you can know that, and then if you don't mix faith with it, you will never do that. So you would much rather live in poverty, knowing the truth, until it turns into unbelief. When it turns into unbelief, not only will you not give and it shall be given, you will quit giving. You will quit tithing. You will quit doing all this. You in unbelief now. Are you listening? It started with doubt. You wouldn't mix faith with it. And then it came to unbelief. So now it's a lifestyle. This is how you live now. Are you listening? See, it's a progression. It starts out gradually, and you don't even see it happening to you. Are, are you listening? There was somebody that offended you. They offended you. And so instead of you walking in love, love, believe in all things, hope in all things, endure in all things, love never fails. You know this. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. You know all of these things. You know the first commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You know all of this, and you got offended, and that seed was never dealt with. And so now you have gone from no longer wanting to speak or talk to them. Now you hate them. You're in unbelief now. I hate them, would have despised. I heard their name, and I cringe. You're in unbelief. You don't believe none of those scriptures that you said before. You had doubt in the beginning, but now you don't believe. Jealousy. You started out coveting something somebody else had. And then after a while, it became total all-out jealousy. To now you not only covet what they have, you hate what they have. You despise them. See, this is where doubt turns into unbelief if you don't stop it. You doubt that you could ever have a certain type of job or career. You doubt that in the beginning. Now, you never apply for those jobs. You never apply for those careers. You never, you're not even on that path anymore for those, because you're in unbelief. Before, you didn't think you could have it. Now, you know you can't. That's unbelief. That's an evil heart because what you did was you shut the door and said, it is impossible for God to do this in my life. Before, I doubted it, but I didn't check it. Now I know he can. I can never live in a certain kind of house. I can never drive a certain kind of car. I can never have a certain kind of relationship. I cannot have it. Before, I doubted it because of where I came from. I established all the facts of my past and in my life so now I have meditated, I've kept it in my life, to now I know I can't have it. So I don't even pursue it anymore. I don't even mess with those church folks no more. You know what? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to heaven outside of the church. I don't need to do that anymore because I'm in unbelief. God is not gonna really require I do anything to get to heaven. I'll just be saved. So now you're in unbelief. 
I'm saved. I don't have to give. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to mess with old church folk. I don't have to be a part of the body. I don't have to work in the church. I don't have to work for the church. I don't have to do nothing for God. And I'm still going to heaven. I'll see you when I get there. You in unbelief. Before you hit one of those uh-oh moments. Are you listening? God, I got to quit. I got to quit. Let me let me finish this. He said, take heed, brethren, lest you lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. See, he didn't call doubt evil. He called, see, because doubt is just questioning your faith. But unbelief is when you refuse the faith. When you refuse what God has said. When you are totally shut off and completely locked down, I'm not going to believe. I don't care how much evidence you show me. Oh, man. Look at somebody take a moment to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen to this. You can have faith and doubt, but you can't have unbelief and faith. You can have faith and doubt, but you cannot have unbelief and faith. And if the just shall live by faith and you don't have faith and you can't live by faith, my question is, are you still just? And if you're still just, how? How? I gave you the scriptures. <clears throat> the just shall live by faith. How are you still just without faith? The Bible says, and I'm closing with this, and it talks about over in Romans, the first chapter in verse 28, it says that how the people did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So God turned them over to a reprobate mind, a mind that was void of judgment, a mind where they thought that they were still going to heaven outside of the church. They, was, they were void of judgment. They could not rationalize it. They couldn't understand it anymore. It didn't make sense to them anymore. They just thought where they were was good enough for God. He said they did not retain God in their knowledge. God turned them over to a reprobate mind. They were void of judgment. So I'm saying to you this morning, your question to God, help my unbelief. Put me back in the process to reverse this thing that has happened to me. Where I am right now, I have departed from the Lord. If you don't acknowledge that, then guess what? You can't be fixed. Help thou my unbelief. Get this seed out of me. So I can retain God in my knowledge. So I can believe like I believed when I first got saved. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Father, I pray right now that there are areas of unbelief that has crept into our lives. It has all but stifled us from doing what you have called us to do. It has caused us to drift far away from you. But now we know the difference between doubt and unbelief. We know that we can doubt because it's just questioning our faith. 
But when that doubt gets into our heart, it turns into unbelief. We know the difference now. We can look at the fruit of our lives and the actions of our doings and know whether we are in just doubt or unbelief. Help us to recover ourselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive of him by his will. No longer will we be his captive. No man can serve two masters. And we have to serve you by faith. And when we get to the place of, of the unknown, we will trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways we will acknowledge you, knowing you will keep your word and direct our path. We thank you for it. We give you the praise, the honor, and glory for the life that you have ordained for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I hope that you were blessed by the word of God. I hope you were informed by the word of God, instructed by the word of God, educated by the word of God, recovered by the word of God. Praise God. God is for you, and he has your back. Come back to him. Come back to him. And he will abundantly pardon. So, until we see you again, whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, make sure that you do it believing so it's possible for you to keep it real.